Servant Warrior Radio Real Radical Relentless Relevant This is Servant Warrior Radio Hello and welcome to Servant Warrior Radio. Jeff Searcy here. It is Friday, July 1st. 2022. Got a great, great show for you today. I had a chance to, to visit with my longtime and very, very dear friend, John Melia. Uh, John is a former Marine, actually as a United States Marine, no longer on active duty. We're all, we're all still uh, <laughs> Marines, just not on active duty anymore. But John was also the founder of Wounded Warrior Project. And we talk about a lot of stuff um, and really the you know, history of WWP and some of the things that, that he and I have done uh, together over the last 20 years and what he's doing now. I think you'll really love to hear that. Uh, and, and he's really doing some really cool stuff uh, and about to go out and venture out and, and do some additional. We talk all about that during the podcast but I also wanted to remind you, make sure that you go back. If you missed some of the, the, the last couple of episodes of Servant Warrior Radio, make sure that you go back and listen to those. I think the one on Wednesday was about legislating from the bench as the, uh, as the decisions that are coming out of the Supreme Court remain top of it, kind of everybody's discussion list. I, I, that is a very important, in my humble opinion, a very important episode because it talks about the separation of powers in our country and the role really uh, that the Supreme Court has as it relates to the executive branch and as it relates to the, the legislative branch and um, and that what is going on now and, and the decisions that are coming out of the Supreme Court, I'm, I'm going to challenge people to, to one, get an understanding of how things actually work, the role of each of the branches of the government called separation of powers, and and really look at that because what the Supreme Court is actually doing falls in line with where our Constitution is, and it's and it's the concept of federalism, and I talk about that uh, on Wednesday. So make sure you check out that episode uh, on Wednesday. But as I said earlier in the week and even last week, I am mixing in some past editions of Servant Warrior Radio, and I'm going to start releasing those, those those past editions and really every Tuesday is going to be solely focused on uh, encouragement. There'll be a devotional piece. Uh, I'm going to mix those in. Tuesdays were always really important, um, and, and they still are Tuesdays. But but from a, just from a standpoint of, uh, there were some guys that that I always hung out with, and every Tuesday morning we got together, um, and and we got together to to fellowship, uh, just to just to pour into each other, and just to kind of get you know re- rejuvenated and um and 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 just fired up for the week because I think Tuesdays are a special special piece you know you have a, a weekend you go you enjoy a weekend even relaxing or, or whatever it is and then Monday comes and even if you really enjoy what you do and and everything else Mondays are sometimes can be kind of a I don't know kind of a gut punch uh, when you think about okay you got Monday and then you got Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and Friday so you got a long week ahead a lot of times and that Tuesday morning after Monday kind of as a deflator from the weekend Tuesday morning comes and, you know, and God's grace uh, is new every morning. And we just found Tuesday mornings to be a really, really great time and a, and a really uh, an effective time to 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 kind of get reinvigorated and, and re-encouraged. And after Monday kind of deflates you, Tuesday morning you get you get uh, fueled up uh, and it really helped go throughout the week. And so the Tuesdays, what we'll do is 
the, the Tuesday released episode of Servant Warrior Radio. There'll be a devotional piece. There'll be a message piece. Hopefully, it will encourage you. Hopefully, it'll give you what you need for that Tuesday morning and to push you through and really give you everything that you need for the rest of the week. Because, you know, God will fill you up and he'll give you everything you need. All you got to do is ask. So we'll do that every Tuesday. So the third episode of the Life is a Highway series will post on Tuesday. I believe that one is Divinely uh, Facilitated Opportunities. Life on the road, God always provides you the opportunity to bring people together that you never thought would be broad or a circumstance or whatever it is that will be presented to you that you didn't know was going to come. And they're just when we look at them in the way that God wants us to look at them, uh, great and awesome things can happen, and He will show up every single time. So that one uh, will air on Tuesday. The following week is going to be... I think that that episode is likely the most powerful episode um, that, that, that I did. One, because it is talking about a um, a circumstance that happened to me that it changed my life forever. And so that one will come up in two weeks. And so stay tuned for those. Uh, They are great episodes. Again, we're going to mix those in. Those are some past episodes that aired on KJSL, True Talk Radio out of St. Louis, Missouri, back earlier, 2012, 2013. But they are absolutely so relevant today. But listen, I don't want to take up any more time. I want to get to my conversation with the incomparable Mr. John Melia. All right, enjoy. On today's episode of Servant Warrior Radio, I get the honor and the pleasure of speaking with United States Marine, no longer on active duty, founder of Wounded Warrior Project, and my dear friend for almost, wow, and and partner for almost 20 years and partner in finding the best barbecue in America, John Melia. John, what is up, man? It has been way way too long el jefe my brother (laughs) (laughs) it is it is so good to to hear your voice and uh excited to spend some time with you um congratulations on all the great success and the young men you've influenced in baseball i was just uh um I was I was thrilled with your success, but also just as excited about, you know, the things that you're doing in the future and ramping Servant Warrior back up and, um, you know, just excited to get to spend some time with you. So thanks for having me on your show. Well, thanks, buddy. Listen, it is, uh, you know, it, we have we don't have enough bandwidth or time uh, to dive into all the the. Um, the, the the crazy adventures, I, you know, matter of fact, we just came came down, uh, went up to Boston last week. You know, um, Eli graduated and what he yes. wanted to do was for his for his senior trip, wanted to go. We, we grabbed a couple of Red Sox games and made our way back down 95. We didn't then we had to go 85, went by and saw a Greenville game. And I thought about, I started thinking about some of those little barbecue dives yeah. that we went looking for. Um, Unfortunately, we found a couple. Uh, a couple of them, one question, where, where we ended up. But, you know, oh, man, I, I think about the stacks. I think about uh, the number of stacks that we had to give barbecue and just going all over looking for barbecue with you, man. That, I tell you, you know, some of the highlights of, of, of just anything, just hanging out with you. Um, 
and doing that kind of wild stuff. So, so tell me, so tell me what you got going on. So, so well, well, the, first, first, let me bring something up because I oh, would never no. forget a barbecue place. Oh no! Did, did you did you go to Dukes in Orangeburg? Did you make your way in? Remember Dukes, which was the the Q buffet. They've got like multiple ones. They yeah. open a couple of days. I, I did not go to Dukes and for multiple reasons. One, I'm just, I'm just not sure if I make it out of there alive because I, I, would have, I haven't eaten that much in a while. And there's a pretty good chance that I would, I would try every barbecue sauce. It would all go on one and I would have to make multiple trips uh, and I'd have probably crashed the car uh, after, after <laughs> <laughs> after leaving there so oh dukes man that was oh man at the places that we have been um yes, and the sir. adventures that we have undertaken so one i you know i know people listening to it they they you know i, I want to give a little bit of insight john uh wow we've been friends 20 years and and we don't have enough time to get into uh, the, just the cool story. I love all the God winks uh, and connections with you, but I love to tell the story of our connection and Kim Scofie saying, Hey, you need to call this guy. This guy, James, John Melia, he's starting this thing and you're a Marine. His Marine, man, you guys might get along. And that's when I was just starting identity specialist, the marketing company. And I remember that Sunday afternoon, I called you and we talked uh, and then, I, I guess the the rest is history, and I'll never forget Angela's face when I came home after you said, "Hey, I've interviewed a whole bunch of people, and man, would you uh, would you take would you consider being the, the the development guy for a Wounded Warrior project?" I said, "Well, I said I guess I'll be alienating my family and uh, be on the road all the time." Sure, and I'll never forget seeing watching her face, looking her face when I said, "I'm headed to Roanoke," yeah, and she sure. said, "Is he go, you're going to work with those guys, aren't you?" I said, "Yes, I am." And then the rest, the rest of the same is history. So, and I so, met you in a Sheets parking lot across from the Roanoke Convention Center. I tell you, man, Sheets, and we, I saw a few Sheets when we were going up, and, and I just immediately went back to Roanoke and almost had to pull in there and get a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, but, but just one, John, you know, when I think about guys with vision, and you were one of the first people that pop into my mind um, because, you know, we're both big big vision guys, but you, you took, you took a passion. You took a, um, you, well, you took, you took a circumstance that, that you faced yourself. Um, and I'll let you share a little bit about that. And then you turned it into un- undoubtedly one of the most impactful, in my humble opinion, the most impactful, uh, organization that serves, uh, the needs of, of wounded, wounded warriors and their families, uh, in the history of our great nation, and I, I don't think that's hyperbole, and, and I would I would challenge anybody um, to to convince me of anything different. So, just give me the the elevator, you know, uh, of where that started, because I don't want to spend too much time on that, because I want to hear about the cool things that you're doing now. But but I think it's important to to talk about what you know the very beginnings and, and what what we're able to accomplish and what you did. Uh, when you're taking a vision and then turning it into unbelievable reality. Yeah, well, thanks, Jeff. Well, you know, for, first and foremost, let me say that, um, you know, any, any success that we enjoyed at Wounded Warrior Project was was not um, uh, solely because of me, certainly not because of me. I mean, you know, you knew where we were at when you joined the organization and you moved us into a, a direction you know, you you put rocket fuel um, under that engine and, and helped us, 
you know, raise our first million dollars and um, help thousands and thousands of veterans. So um, we'll we'll get more to that in, in a minute here. But you know, I was uh, I was a Marine. Um, I was out on a, a deployment with First Battalion, First Marines. Uh, I was an infantryman and uh, was doing some fast roping in the Red Sea um, back in 1992. There things were, were starting to really heat up in Somalia, and um, we had been moved from the Persian Gulf into the Red Sea to, um, to, to be the tip of the spear for, for the American military in, um, in the Red Sea. And so we were practicing fast roping in case we had to evacuate Americans from um, Mogadishu. And uh, we had our first pass, and it went well. And um, the helicopters landed again, and we uh, I got on the bird the second time, and you know, we race tracked around, flew around for a little while, and then made our approach to the ship. And just as we were turning to make the approach to the ship, the helicopter that I was in um, had a massive mechanical malfunction and uh, exploded in the sky and uh, crashed into into the Red Sea and unfortunately killed um, four of my fellow Marines and, um, you know, injured 14 of us. And, and I was I was injured as, you know, we're 14 other guys, all to different different degrees. But um, I was evacuated across the world and uh, ended up at Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio with burns and other injuries. And uh, my experience as a a Marine being evacuated and being wounded and kind of that feeling about is my career going to be over what I'm going to, what am I going to do if uh, you know uh, if I have to leave the core all of those questions that come when you're injured um, you know just kind of uh, left a little bit of a seed in my mind um, I remember sitting in a in a hospital in let's say we were in United Arab Emirates and um, the TV was on in my room and it was CNN World News um, and there was a, a report that came on and it said uh, a United States Marine Corps CH-46 helicopters crashed at the Red Sea today, um, killing four Marines and injuring 14. Um, and now to, you know, financial news. And it was like that fast. You know, I'm like, those were my buddies. Those were my friends that were killed. And it was a blip on the evening news. Um, and it just, it just stuck with me that I would always try to speak their names if I was ever given the opportunity to, to do that because I didn't want them to be forgotten. And anyways, to make a really long story short, uh, I had the opportunity to work, uh, helping veterans when I got out of the Corps, about a year after that, I got out of the Corps, I moved to Texas and I went to work for an organization called Disabled American Veterans. Um, did some time with them. They gave me my training, um, learned how to help veterans with their, their disability claims, uh, and really enjoyed my time with DAV. I worked a little bit for the Department of Veterans Affairs. And then uh, in 2002, when I saw you know, our returning service members coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan. I knew, I just had this sense that they were going to go through that same feeling that I went through. And I didn't think, the other organizations were great. 
and they've helped hundreds of thousands of veterans, millions of veterans. But um, I just thought that there needed to be an organization that was uniquely focused on the challenges of the most seriously wounded veterans coming back from this conflict and that we needed to meet them where they were at, at their bedside and provide service, not at a steel desk in a, in a, you know, cold federal building somewhere, but right there at the tip of the spear with the families and, um, and the veterans themselves in the hospital. And so that was our model from the beginning. It's hard to believe that in 2000 that, you know, laptops had only been out for maybe 10 years. Um, and, you know, we were working <laughs> with laptops at the bedside of wounded vets, and that was kind of like a big deal, right? Uh, we had started, we started to bring technology into, into our work. I think we were the first organization where all of our guys had, um, remember we, we had those, what uh, were those phones, <laughs> Nextels or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, we had, yeah, they had, we had Blackberries, uh, yep, yep. With that Man. next tail, beep, beep, and we yep. could, we could, uh, we could walkie talkie each other on the wards and, and that kind of stuff. And so, yep. uh, oh, you know, that, that was, that was uh, that's how it started. And, um, you know, I just felt like this was the, um, when, you know, every team has, uh, has a Super Bowl. And if you're in the veterans world, that particular conflict was, you know, in my lifetime, our Super Bowl, our lifetime, our Super Bowl, our opportunity to serve our country again. You know, we got to do it in the Corps, but I wanted I wanted another opportunity to serve our country and help our veterans and their families. And um, I think you would agree that we put together the best team, you know, you know, you, Jeff, that came on board and, you know, uh, some of the some of the guys that initially came to work with us, a lot of great Vietnam veterans who who served the cause. Um, you know, as board members or, or early advisors, you know, we wouldn't have gotten it done without their help and, and um, their commitment to, to wounded vets. So proud of our time, proud of what we did, um, proud of you and your family for the sacrifices you made. Boy, did we rack up some Marriott points and, uh, you know, put some serious time on airplanes and, you know, helping people raising money, going to hospitals. It was, uh, you know, God, God, uh, God put it on my heart, Jeff. A lot of people told me I was crazy. I had a good job um, and didn't necessarily see the vision. But um, when when you're doing God's will, um, you know it. And I never for a minute doubted that I was doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing when I was supposed to be doing it. And until um, until the end, when I knew that my time was done. Yeah. So. Well, man, you, you certainly, you know, and, and uh, you're, you've been humble since day one and that's, that's just how it works. And, you know, so again, if anybody gets a chance, they can certainly go and uh, check out because WWP continues. Uh, I know there's a little blip there for a little bit, um, but I think they're, they're back on track. And I certainly hope so because there are a whole lot of guys and a whole lot of families that still need a whole lot of stuff. And um, it was, it was just still some of the, some of the best time that I ever had. So I, I always, always grateful to you for that chance to, to serve again. So, yeah, well, let me tell you, let me tell you one more quick story, Jeff. I know we got limited time, but I was at, I was at lifetime fitness working out in San Antonio, Texas about a month ago. And I had just finished working out and they've got a little cafe up front and I'm standing there looking at the front door 
and in walks a wounded warrior with with his you know teenage son and he's got one arm and uh uh hispanic guy and immediately that i i knew it was juan bionic arm arredondo you and, are kidding and brother so i stand up and i walk oh. i walk to the door and i put my arms out and i just said que pasa amigo and he looked at me dude and he came over and we just we hugged for had to be about a minute i hadn't seen him in i bet you a dozen years and um, wow and i'll just tell you this you know um juan said to me he goes dude he goes, you know, I was I was uh, I was pretty beat up when I came to work for WWP. I'd been badly injured and had a you know uh, some pretty significant injuries. And and you gave me a job, and I I can't ever thank you enough for giving me a job at WWP. And I said, you know, Juan, and I say this to all the guys that worked there, whether it was Ed Salo or Lonnie Moore or any of the guys that came in and helped R J Mead, any of the guys that that helped vets. I said I did one thing which was, I said, I got, I got a gut instinct for people that want to help people. And uh, I've always said the greatest exercise for the human heart is lifting, lifting another person up. And I just can identify when somebody wants to do that. And I said, I gave you a chance, Juan. And I said, you know, you are still working for WWP. And this, I probably hired him. And I, I bet you, would we hire him in 20, 2006, 2005. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, was, it was a long time, long time ago. He has made a career. And Brian Newman and the rest of that crew, oh, uh, wow. they have made a career. They have helped thousands of vets. And I was so proud of him. And I got to meet his son, Diego, and that was awesome. Uh, Man. So just wanted you to know that. And, and just um, uh, how how much great work those guys have done to help vets. You know, Man. certainly it was not about me. It was about that. I tell that story to to bring up how it's about one generation lifting up another. We helped Juan's generation, and now look at the work that they've done over the years and how many people they've lifted up. Man, that is great. Man, that that does your heart good. Gosh, I hadn't thought about Juan and. In a thousand years, man, that is that is so that's just, that is just great stuff. Yeah, that man. Is absolutely great. So, yeah. so tell me what so tell me what you got going on now. Uh, I I know you're you're in Texas. So tell tell me a little about what you got going on now and um and and where you're headed. Yeah, well, you know, we've done other work together over the years, Jeff, and, and as you know, probably back around 2010, 2011, when I was running. A company called Governline. I got very interested in the oil and gas industry. Actually, going back to our, our time at the End of Wounded Warrior Project, I was very interested in oil and gas. And um, you know, America runs on on. Uh, it doesn't just run on Duncan. It runs on 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 American energy, fossil fuel. And um, I, you know, being a Marine, I I was always uh, I always liked the American fighting spirit. And, and I got to see, you know, people working in the energy industry and that they were a different breed, kind of like the Marine Corps. And I wanted to get involved with that and make oil and gas my third career. And so since 2012, uh, with the exception of about a year or two, I've, uh, where I did some Christian ministry work there in, in, in Georgia and uh, helped another nonprofit in, in Florida. 
the rest of my time has been working in oil and gas. And so for the last four, uh, almost five years now, I've been working in the Permian Basin of Texas, which is the largest oil reserve in North America. And um, uh, initially, I helped to build workforce housing for um, guys who are coming out here as remote workers and um, helped to build several what they call man camps for a company called Permian Lodging and really enjoyed my time with them. I was kind of a project manager and got to see, you know, what, what essentially are remote hotels be built for, um, for, for oil field workers. And then um, from there, I went to work for a technology company um, tracking, doing, doing GPS satellite tracking on oil field equipment and uh, as you can imagine, there are thousands and thousands of pieces of equipment that is in the most remote areas of West Texas and New Mexico and having tracking mechanisms on them, um, you know, helps the company to manage their business better. And so really enjoyed my time as a salesman working for a company called Pedigree Technologies and uh, uh it's been cool to see America become energy independent uh, when, when we did, when we were energy independent. And the pride that the people here in West Texas and in Southern New Mexico, you can't imagine the amount of pride that they had in helping this country become energy independent. And not to be too political, but to have the rug pulled out from under them by an administration that absolutely positively is out to destroy their industry is, is just truly maddening. And, um, you know, but, but, but those dudes are getting their, their, uh, um, they're getting it, getting it taken to them right now because, you know, we've got, you know, gas prices at all time highs and, you know, yeah. Let's face it, our, our oil and gas companies are in the business to make profit. And when you tell the oil industry that you're out to ruin them um, and then come back to them and say, uh, we're out to ruin you, but we expect you to drill more and drill at a loss. Uh, you know, there's uh, you, you saw what those executives from Chevron and Shell and other companies said to the administration. Uh, yeah, and yeah. This is, a, this is a family radio show, so we're not going to say what they said to them. But, that, that's a you know yeah, and you know it's funny because you know I was going to bring up that you said we're uh, energy independent, and you know now that now that uh, what oil is now well over a hundred dollars uh, a barrel, and uh, you know wh- where we are now, yeah, and we don't certainly politics is something that that I do dive into on the show, and but you know this is something that's impacting everybody, and you know you think about you know, what's going on, the livelihoods. And it's not, you know, as, as a teacher of government and economics uh, and a student of government and, and economics, I, I think it blows my mind sometimes where so many people who are influencing policy can't can't acknowledge or either chooses not to acknowledge the fact that nothing happens in a vacuum and nothing happens uh, just isolated by itself. It's that ripple effect. And, you know, when you impact one element, especially you think about just even one small component of the economy, how that permeates and how that expands out and impacts exponentially more people. When you impact the largest industry literally in the world and that everything that we use has petroleum in it, when you impact that, 
what it's going to do, not just to people and specifically in the oil industry, which that is a, a huge industry, but just think about all across the board and, you know, person sitting in, in the middle of middle America somewhere. Remember you and I, we sat across and we talked about, hey, we'll know when, when WWP is really making an impact because we know that the big, you know, the big nonprofit in the sky, until we can actually reach somebody right where they are in the middle of their little town, that's when we know that we've really done it. And that's what we're facing right now. You know, we go from energy independence now to being solely independent or dependent on everybody else to think that they're not going to stick it to us. That's, that's, we have a subject that, you know, and we're going to talk about that on another, on another show. Cause that's something I really want to get into. Cause I, I want to hear one. I, I, I think we're, there's so many, people that are misunderstanding what's going on. And unfortunately, because the news, when you control the message, you control everything. Uh, and and I think that there's a whole lot of people not getting a whole lot of the story. And I, I want to talk again and, and come back when we can really dive into what's going on in the oil and gas industry there in Texas. What are, what are the, the feet on the ground? What's happening there? Uh, and what are some of the things that you as an industry insider think that we need to start looking at doing um because again i I love to entertain i love to educate but but inform and create things to think about and want to make sure that we do that now you did tell me that you are starting podcast and a youtube channel right right to venture tell me more about right to venture yeah jeff so it's it's pretty cool you know um I went to, um, I I married a woman who is um, a, a spanish teacher and um Traveled abroad as a as a student and um, uh, lived in Bolivia for a year and uh, knows a lot about the uh, Hispanic culture and of course I've spent a lot of my time since I went to um, uh, or, or or since since you know I've been an adult working with the Hispanic culture and so right to venture is actually not about um, the Hispanic culture, so to speak, but I got to go to Argentina in 2018 and got to spend some time overseas as a traveler. I know you had a chance to do that and, and go to Europe with your bride when you were newly married, and, and it was a life-changing experience for me. It's the first time that I, I've traveled on, on four or five continents, Jeff, and I've never not landed on the continent with a rifle, and so, you know, I just... <laughs> I either went in a, in a green plane or a gray boat. And, um, you know, this was the first time that I ever traveled out of my country other than to Canada. Um, and I was so fortunate to get to spend some some uh, some time with a family there in Argentina, the Parientes, who were, uh, who were hosting uh, my wife's daughter for a year as an exchange student and and really just got the traveling bug. And when I was there, I met a bunch of, uh, of expats from America and from, from other countries. And, and this is going to go into probably a further conversation, um, you know, maybe for another podcast, and maybe you can bring some other people on to talk about this. But, you know, everything has become so expensive in our country. And we have so many people who are living on a fixed income who can't afford housing and can't afford um, just a basic standard of living in America now. And I think you've probably seen some of these reports about, you know, 
Americans moving to, to Mexico, into Ecuador, into Colombia, into Eastern Europe um, to not only escape our, our divisive politics and, and um, you know, the cultural things that are going on in the country, but also to be able to live with a standard of living that gives them some some respect and some grace in their in their old age. Um, it's it's sad how we treat people in America as as they get older. And in other countries, what I've seen is that older people are treated with a great deal of respect. And um, we warehouse our our older folks, and they don't do that in other countries. So right to venture is really about you personally having the right to venture to other places, whether that's here in the U.S. or in another country, and plant roots somewhere else and um, live. You know, there's a guy called the nomad capitalist, and he says, go live where you're treated the best, where your tax treatment is the best, or if you've got an illness where your health care is the best. Um, you know, find that place in the world where you're treated best. You know, and and for me in particular, I'm very interested in Mexico. I love Mexico, and I'm going to spend some time over the next couple of years looking for a retirement place in Mexico. Um, you know, I, I feel like I would live a higher standard of living. I would be able to get on a flight and see my family when I need to. Um, you know, you can be in Huatuco, Mexico, or in Lake Chapala, where there's 25,000 American and Canadian expats, and be back in the States in two hours. It's it's easier to go from Mexico to, to Houston, Texas, than it is to go from Atlanta to Texas. So um, anyways, that's what Right to Venture is about, and I'm going to have people on the podcast who have, have done that, who are digital nomads who have started businesses in other countries, people who are um, making their income in America, maybe working for an American company, but living overseas. Um, you know, not, not all of them are living on the beach and living the high life. A lot of people are living in, right in the communities with, with the locals in Argentina or Mexico or Bolivia or, um, or Eastern Europe, you know, Romania, Montenegro. These are all places where, people are, are are leaving. Now, they're not leaving and becoming citizens of other countries. In some cases, right. they are. But, you know, I'm a proud American. I will always be an American. But um, there is there is what's personal economics. And, um, you know, as as we get older, I just don't know how I'm going to afford to to live to be 85 or 90 years old in you know, the current state of, of affairs in our country. And so I want to talk to people about that. I'm interested in how they're doing it and the mindset that it took to um, to pick up and sell everything and move to another country. It's fascinating to me. And we hadn't talked much about that. We probably had never talked about that, but it's something that I've become fascinated with in the last, oh, I'd say nine or 10 years. Man, that sounds one that I am 100% on board with you uh, on on looking at, at uh, retirement and, and, and thinking about, 
uh, where am I going to spend, uh, you know, the, the last few days or the, you know, the last years and, and where would that be? And, uh, man, what a, gr- what a great, um, what a great endeavor. And I look forward, uh, to hearing, uh, you know, one, hearing the podcast and hearing from some of the people, uh, who have done that, you know, now that with, you know, with all the restrictions and depending on where you're going, you know, you got some places that are still locked down. People are still walking around with masks on. We still have things that are going on. Um, and you know, people are looking for alternatives and, you know, some from a financial standpoint want to, to get out to others from ideological standpoint, you know, there's a lot of things going on right now. And, and you, you mentioned it earlier and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this on another episode. So we're definitely going to have to bring you back and, and have multiple visits. One, because I miss talking to my friend. Um, and I figure that if we get to, we can do this, we can kill a whole lot of birds with, with only a couple of stones. But, you know, think about how some people don't want to be in Amer- as much as they love America. Some people just do not want to be here just because of where it's going, um, ideologically speaking. And just the fact that we cannot sit across from somebody that we disagree with without having a knockdown, drag out, canceling and, and calling them bad names and, and then unfriending somebody that we've been dear friends with for 20 years because we think differently. You and I both know, man, that's that's not that's not what this country was founded on. And that's not where we are. Political discourse and has gone right out the window. I, I say it all the time. Common sense is no longer common and critical thinking is in critical condition. I mean, we're we're walking around. I, I'm, I'm not sure what we're thinking about. Well, I'm, I do know how to how to use our thumbs better uh can't get our faces out of phones you know so there's a lot of things going on but i love the right to venture I love, what a great what a great idea all right so but here's the biggest question yes sir. Who, have, who have you who have you talked to that's found the best barbecue <laughs> in the Come u.s on. or I, 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 oh I'm no no you 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 have already expanded now we're going bbq global so yeah. now, so where give me some give me some insight into some of the best barbecue international. Yeah, well, that's a well. Look, the only other place in the world that does it like us is Argentina, and okay, they do it at a level. Hefe, the the I can't remember. There's some crazy statistic about how many cows an Argentinian eats in their lifetime, right? They love the cow. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's all about the beef there, right? They are they are not a, a pork country, although they do, oh, they do that hurts. Quite a bit of, yeah, well, that, that, okay, that, yeah, you Texas folks, man, you guys are, are beef brisket guys. I'm I'm still of 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 the swine persuasion that love to you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, but you know, I, I, but I, I, hey, Jeff, I, I am I am by barbecue myself. I, 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 <laughs> I like pork and beef, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay there. I, you know, <laughs> don't judge me. Uh, oh no, no. Oh gosh. Hey, listen. You know, bar. I love good Q, and if you get a good sauce on it, uh, see, I, I know. No. See, that's where you and I differ. You know, I, you know me. I'm that suicide kid. I'm I'm the kid that always went to Seven Eleven. That would start at one end and just all the way down the so you know to get your coke and and, and see how how many different things can I fit in my little cup all the way down? Because you yeah. remember, I, I I think I hit. We there were five. I think it was, was it Dukes that had like five different barbecue sauces on the table, and every single sauce went on mine all together. Yeah, of course, of course. I had, you were a mixer. That's your, I had, your thing. 
had barbecue cereal because <laughs> it was <laughs> exactly. Well, I will tell you that Argentinians have what they call asado, a s a d o, and they have when we say we're having a barbecue, they say they're having an asado, and so every Sunday that is a thing in Argentine in Argentina, and they have they have every home apartment has what's called a, a, a parrilla, which is a kind of their outdoor barbecue. And they, they don't use coals. They use wood that they make into coals. It's a fascinating process. And I actually have a video of uh, my friend Ricardo Pariente um, teaching me how to prepare the fire. And we could not, I could not speak Spanish and he could not speak English. But um, the first thing that he ever said to me outside of our families communicating with each, with each other is he looked at me in an English. He had looked it up and he said, um, now we will go make the fire. And so that's what we did. He and I, we went together and, and uh, we purchased the meat at a local butcher shop in San Rafael, Argentina. And then we took it home and built the fire and, and cooked asado on a Sunday night in Argentina. And I was hooked uh, on that. And so Q um, is, is an international language, dude. It brings people together. Oh man, I tell you what. Okay, so Argentina now has has propelled itself. It really wasn't in the top 20, but now it is in the top 2 of uh, yeah. places now that I'm going to have to go uh and research especially with the, with the barbecue um yeah. aspect. So so one I I, I don't want to cut cuz one, I mean we, I I could spend I could spend the next 5 hours and I know you got a million things going on. But we're going to have to come back because there's a couple of things that we're going to have to talk about. Sure. Military recruiting. Well, that was one of the things that 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 we talked about. And I I would love to hear your I, I have some, as you know, actually, I, you know, I don't have very strong opinions about things. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> you're, so you're a moderate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that right? Good. You're the only person on the planet that believes that, which is great. I, I, I'm so. Uh, so but but you know, dears, where where the military, just some of the, and especially at the upper echelon, I'd love to hear your thoughts on where you think, from a directional standpoint, uh, and and how important the leader, the 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 countenance of the leadership. You know, we talked uh, after you know after the guys went in uh, in early two thousands, and why so many of the junior officers. As soon when when they could get out, they were getting out because of some of the orders they were being given, some of the things that completely contradicted everything that they had trained to do. I, I, I'm just interested to hear your thoughts on, your, as you mentioned, military recruiting, but just kind of direction from a leadership standpoint. I, you know, I'm not I, listen. I'm not here to throw rocks and everything else, but it's this. This is important. We're, we're, we're not training for summer camp. We're not. The, the, this is this is world. This, these are world issues, and and there's no restart button when a guy's in combat. There's none of that stuff. I mean, and so I, I think about esprit de corps. I think about that what we you know in the in the Marine Corps what it meant, you know, to to wear that to earn that eagle globe and anchor to wear those blues. What it was to to be and still a Marine. You and I are no longer on active duty, but I want to get your thoughts on where you think just military as a whole is going. And maybe some of the things that how we might be able to start maybe changing the direction or changing the culture of that and what your thoughts on that. 
Um, also education. I, I want to hear how things are going out in Texas. You know, I spent some time out there too. And, um, just curious about where, where you think on the education side, because, you know, we had a chance to, to help a lot of guys, you know, after they got through that initial piece of starting their recovery back to, uh, and the integration back into the real world from an education and employment standpoint. So I, I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on that with all the things that are going on and, and then just some of the other things that we got going. So we are certainly going to have to to get back on and, uh, and and get this thing going again. Well, man, I'd love to. And as you know, you know, uh, as as the late great Rush Limbaugh would say, you know, the military is in one business, and it's in the business of killing things and breaking people. You know, breaking things and killing people, the enemy. And um, any anything else that it does. Um, is just secondary. Um, if, if it's not about breaking things and, and killing the enemy, then it's really has no business in the military. It's not a social experiment. And for the last, you know, 40 years, it's been made into a social experiment. And, uh, and, and I, I think, you know, as if we do do another episode and I would love to do that, you know, just the idea of, you know, we've got a generation that was brought up on phones. we got a generation that was brought up with a lack of respect for um, for our country. Um, you know, not everybody, of course. I mean, there's there's pockets of this country where kids are still quite patriotic, but, um, you know, they're understandably today with the way our veterans have been treated, there are plenty of military vets who have children who grew up, you know, we got guys that we helped, um, Jeff, that are now in their, in their forties and, wow. got, you know, Juan's son, I think was 18 years old. And so these, <laughs> these kids are making decisions on whether or not they're going to join the military. And there's a lot of our fellow vets that are looking at their kids and saying, nah, I, I, I just not after what we've seen. But, you know, yeah. at, at some point, we we are going to have to talk about that as a country because uh, the defense of this country is an enormous priority. It's our it's our one of our largest priorities and our you know, the biggest part of our budget. And so we better do it well. Um, you know, it better be about excellence and not a, a social experiment. But I. I would love to expand about on that. Um, you know, if your listeners don't know, I come from a military family. My father's a retired colonel. My brothers, Jim and Matt, both served on, on active duty uh, as Army officers. And um, so every, every male on, in, in my uh, generation served in the military. So we have very, very strong opinions about the direction of the military. Yeah, well, we got, you know, uh, me and the, you got... Uh, uh, my sister-in-law, uh, she was in yes. that first first wave that went into Iraq. Her her, uh, her ex-husband was in the second wave. I mean, so when you think about these guys, you know, we're we're a military family too. And I, I mean, I'd be it, it's just something that weighs heavy on the heart, you know. And 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 I'll I'll tell you what, when we were coming back down from Boston, uh, we had to stop and and see. Uh, we had to go to Arlington, and unfortunately, by the time we got down there, it started to rain. We we got there just after, well, we were, we were actually in the cemetery and we were headed to the tomb um, of the unknown soldier. And unfortunately, by the time we got there, they had just finished 
with the changing that five o'clock. And we didn't know that that was the last one. And so we missed that one. And so we're literally there, John. And I got to tell you, man, it was it was just I stood there, watched the young man uh, with his 21 paces. And then he would stop. And and it was I was watching him and I, I looked out. Uh, and I was watching him. It was cloudy. It was starting to rain. I saw the Washington Monument, you know, down all the way down, down the hill across the mall. And it just swept. It was just like a huge wave of um, admiration, um, honor. And, and I wouldn't even say fear, but it was of just what it is and what it meant. And that just that minute of seeing that young man uh, and that it makes you realize that one too many generations now are taking the freedom that we have for granted and looking at, at that young man and the commitment that he made to guard that tomb. And then to think about there are still those, those in the, in the generations coming up that are still willing to stand uh, in the gap and stand on that wall. But it was, it, it was just one of those feelings. And and I told Angela right then we were leaving. I said, you know, this is one of those, I, I, I cannot, in in my right, uh, in my heart, stand by and watch where we are headed. One as a country, um, I I took an oath uh, when I joined the, the Marine Corps to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Yes, sir. And you know, and when I th- saw that saw that young man, it was just he was literally just me and him. He was he was walking across and and his you know the the, the guy came out and said you know sir you know the 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 cemetery is closed we got to you guys we had to ask you guys to go back to the visitor center and and make your way to the parking lot I said I certainly will I said I I don't want to intrude but I just had to take a a step just to, just a second to to watch him and just kind of take that minute in of what it costs for us yeah. to be free. Yeah, dude, I will tell you, you know, yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, Jeff, but, you know, Woody Williams, the uh, the last surviving Medal of Honor recipient from World War II, a Marine, um, passed yesterday at the VA yes. hospital that was named after him. Um, and, uh, you know, we lost our last World War II Medal of Honor recipient. And uh, it actually just gave me chill bumps to think about that generation and what they did to save this country. And I wonder how Woody felt about the America that he was living in before he passed. As a matter of fact, it's almost embarrassing to me as a keeper of the flame, you know, if you will, of this country, that we have let it deteriorate to to where it is today. I, I, I you know, if my grandfather could, could have returned you know, could return to my grandmother, what would they think of America in 2022? There's so many people that think it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the way it's supposed to be. It's not. And we could have long conversations about that. You know, the divisiveness just by itself, the lack of cordiality um, between people is, is just terrible. And as a, and as a Christian, I, I can't stand to see that type of divisiveness, but that's, that's what, that's what the dark one wants to do. He wants to separate yeah. and he is, he is winning the war right now, but we know who will ultimately win. Amen. You know what? Uh, the great thing is God is still on the throne. He is not wringing his hands and none of this surprises anybody. If, if nope. you've read the word, none of this is coming out of left field. You just, you know, it's a matter of now, 
there there's a there is now a sense of urgency on on my heart the soul and the souls of america and i know you feel the same way and that's you know and i, and I think about that and, and where we are and one of the goals of, of of this you know little podcast is to is to do things differently you know i don't want to sit here and spout opinion all day long because then i am just exactly like 99% of every other thing that's going on but i think it's important to provide perspectives important to provide people things to think about and allow them hear it from and not just your traditional news sources or what the the expectation is if you turn on Limbaugh. And I love Rush Limbaugh and I love those guys, but sometimes, you know, like Sean Hannity and some of those guys, they just can't find anything else to talk about. And it's, and it's, we're going to talk about this and we're going to keep this side of the country fired up over here. And then you got the other side. We got to keep this side of the country fired up. I, I would love to, to have a bridge and, and to be part of being a bridge and let people come on the bridge and let's have an asado. Let's yeah. sit down, eat some barbecue, have some disagreements, enjoy some, some good uh, brisket uh, and talk things through. And if we have to agree to disagree, so be it. That's okay. But at the end of the day, it, we cannot be separate. And, you know, you mentioned your grandparents and, and, and we'll wrap up kind of this, you know, my grandfather, uh, he served on the USS Texas. Oh wow! Uh, now the the battleship and right there in Houston, uh, it's still uh, it's down and uh, but the USS San, Texas. San Jacinto, San Jacinto. Yeah, that's where Johnny Roberts is, right down there. Is it really, man? Yeah. I, oh man, I'd love to. I'd love to see John. Um, but you know, think about that in World War One. It was it was the deadliest weapon on the face of the earth. And my grandfather was on. He was off the coast of Iwo Jima. He was there in the Pacific. He was also off the coast and as it was shelling uh, Normandy. He was in both theaters. And I think about that, as you mentioned, that World War II, the greatest generation. I think about what what they sacrificed and what they were willing to give up and, and you know, where we are now. We definitely want to have another episode where you can come back and maybe we'll get a, bring a couple of guys on there and we kind of have a kind of a roundtable um, and to say, how, how do you know, where is it today? Where, where has it gone? And then what can we do as, as individuals, as visionaries, as influencers, if, if, even if it's just influencing our own little community or our own house, what can we start doing to, to try to move that needle back to inspire generations to think of something and have a desire to, to be a part of something that's bigger than just them. Uh, and I, and you and I both know that's really what it, that's what it takes, um, a desire to, to serve, but also to be a part of something bigger than us. And, you know, it, it was, it was never about, you know, country and all of that it was about the guy to the right and to the left of you. I mean, that, that's kind of the way that it, it, it always has been. And I never want us to lose that because I think that's the only thing that's going to maintain American exceptionalism and to keep us from a trajectory standpoint, not falling victim to what so many other countries have fallen victim to. Um, anyway, that, that we definitely going to have to have another conversation about that. But um, buddy, I, I, I cannot even come close to telling you how much I love you, how, how I missed hanging out with you and, and talking and having these conversations. Uh, and I cannot thank you enough for just spending some time on this little podcast. Well, I love you too, man. And, and, and so, so awesome to watch, you know, uh, I, I just had the, the, the honor to of course know your, your, 
your lovely wife, uh, Angela. And, and, and she says hello, by the way. She, I, I yeah. would certainly be remiss. I didn't but, well, pass she's that a little. big part of Wounded Warrior Project, too. And, and of course, you know, as, as my daughters, Miranda and Cassie, are, and, and you know, my ex wife, Julie, and, um, you know, to watch Noah and Eli grow up and to now, you know, hear that Eli just graduated, to, you know, just watch him. I, I remember Eli just jumping in the pool and just, you know, bailing water out, man, just swimming like a like a rock star, you know, and as a little little boy, and now he's now he's a high school graduate. Well, so, well, I can't believe Miranda with 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 and you, granddad, man, as a just unreal um, with that, and you know, yeah. my, my Kate, my my, my my grandson is four years old. Which oh my god, man! We and, and Cassie is uh, my daughter, youngest daughter, Cassie. Just so yep. You'll appreciate this. Cassie is in Romania right now. She's a youth pastor at a, a church in Ramona, California, and she, she's been there for, for many years. And they're they're on a, um, uh, a Christian mission in um, putting oh. on a vac- vacation Bible school for Ukrainian refugees in Romania. So, uh, you know, be praying Man. for that in her work out there. She's, she's there right now as you speak. Man, that is so awesome! I, listen, I, I I think of them often, and just I think all the, all the kids. I mean, I remember uh, Noah jumping in Heath Calhoun's lap uh, there at the office in Roanoke, um, and them them doing wheelies <laughs> through the office. Man, I just you know, and, and it seemed like it was yesterday. Um, well, buddy, listen, all the best to you. Let's let's definitely do this again. I I want to so right to venture. When when are you going to kick that thing off? You know, I, I think we're probably 30 days off, Jeff. I've got some work to do, you know, uh, just between us. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I work with a coach and the coach has been talking to me about, um, you know, I said, well, you know, I probably shouldn't really start it until I start traveling. And, and you know, till I retire, you know, my goal was to do that. And he said, no, no, he's an Aussie. And he said, no, mate. He said, people need to know what it's like to prepare to do that. And because that, you know, you can see all these folks on YouTube who've done it, but there's nobody talking about what it takes to, to what the preparation's like, how to get your finances in order to, to venture, whether that's to go to Europe for, for 30 days and backpack, or whether it's actually, you know, picking up and living a digital nomad lifestyle in another country or going somewhere to to kind of uh, reduce your spend and and live comfortably in a in a less expensive place. Um, nobody's really teaching the first part of that. So that would be a service to people is to talk about that. So I'm gonna uh, I think he's right. So I'm gonna kick it off in 30 days, and I've got a lineup of guys that are um, that are doing it right now. Uh, I've got a friend David Grierson who he and his wife picked up and and went to Costa Rica. You'll love this dude. He he. David's an interesting guy. He fixes uh, surfboards uh, on the beach in Punta Negra, uh, Costa Rica, and he's they call him the Ding Doctor, and he he fixes dings on surfboards, and that's his that's his life. He he's about our age, and he kicked it and retired, and and that's what he's doing today. So I'm looking forward to having David probably as my first guest on the podcast. Man, man, that is that is outstanding. So I cannot wait. So 30 days. 
yeah. I will certainly be be looking for that. And um, and we're so we're coming back. We're going to talk. We're going to talk military. We're going to talk to the state of our our military the next time. We're going to talk a little education. We're going to hear how things are going out in West Texas on the oil and gas. We're hoping that some of these these restrictions are going to lift and uh, let us start drilling again, so it doesn't cost four hundred thousand dollars to fill up your tank. Um, yeah. And well, buddy, thank you again. Ladies Thanks, and gentlemen, my, 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 one of my dearest friends on the planet, John Melia, um, it has been an honor and a pleasure, buddy. Thank you. Same here, Jeff. Take care. You have a great night. Okay, pal. Thanks, man. So there you go. My conversation with the incomparable Mr. John Melia. I hope you enjoyed that. Make sure that you check out future episodes that I'm going to have John on. We're going to talk a little military. We're going to talk education. We're going to get some insight into the oil and gas industry and with things that are going on there in Texas. Also, cannot wait to to hear how things are going with his new podcast uh, and YouTube channel, Right to Venture. I'll keep you guys posted as I get updates and and uh, I look forward to having John back on very soon. But again, hey, don't miss the upcoming episodes of Servant Warrior Radio. Make sure you catch the past episodes of Servant Warrior Radio as we head into the July 4th weekend. Please, please, please remember, as we're barbecuing, as we're enjoying the summer, as we're around lakes and pools and everything else, freedom isn't free. It comes with a cost. It comes with the greatest cost of lives of patriots that have, have given themselves, have made the ultimate sacrifice to ensure that we can live in freedom, that, that we can worship, that we can celebrate, that we can do things as a free nation. But again, let us not take the freedom that we have in our country for granted, because as soon as we take it for granted, we will lose it. So, have a great July 4th weekend, and remember, only true freedom comes from Jesus Christ. Be safe. I look forward to seeing you guys next week, but until then, keep it real, radical, relentless, and relevant. This has been Servant Warrior Radio.